Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. For the last time in this season, we hear the familiar theme song, uh, which lets you know you are entering the steam room, the wildly popular podcast. This is Ernie Johnson. I got Charles Barkley with me again. This is episode number 32, which presented as always by Tractor Supply Company. This is going to be my favorite episode ever, America. Yeah, it's the finale of season one. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when season two will start. I think that will have something to do with when the NBA's next season starts. But we'll be back, folks. So uh, don't think that, oh, no, the steam room is gone forever. This is just the end of season one. We'll be back with more stuff the next time around. But, man, we do finish this season uh, in style. A couple of coaches from Auburn. Gus Malzahn, Bruce Pearl going to be joining us. Charles is so excited. Yes, I am. Go ahead. Have your say, first of all. My heart is breaking today uh, because, man, I I just want to reach out to the public, man. We just got to be better, man. You know, I'm talking about these police shootings. There's been about five or six in the last week just walking up the cop, just shooting them. Listen, I know the cops undid some horrible things uh, when it comes to unarmed black men, uh, and they should be prosecuted. But man, the thing in LA and the other ones across the country where, where you got protesters standing outside of the hospital, I hope they die, I hope they die. What kind of people are you? What kind of people are we? Well, we think it's all right to walk up to cops and just shoot them and then block the emergency room screaming, we hope they die, we hope they die. Uh, we've had five or six of these shootings in the last week, and I'm just asking people, man, listen, we need, we need cops. We need cops. And when they make a mistake, we should hold them accountable. Let me repeat that. If When they shoot an unarmed black man or any person, they should be held accountable. We need police reform. Everybody can agree we need police reform. But everybody's got to agree, man. We just can't be walking up to cops shooting them for no reason. Uh, that's, that's just, that's cowardly. Uh, it's unforgivable. And the main thing is just sad. Uh, it just makes me sad that we're in a place now where people are like, we're getting even with them, just walking up to an, a, a cop and just shooting them. They shot the one lady in the face. Uh, and I, like, I, I just ask for people to be better out there. What did you think about the sheriff uh, challenging LeBron James to match the uh, reward? I did not like it, put him on front street like that. That was just grandstanding, in my opinion. And I got to say this one other thing, Ernie. I am so disgusted watching television today. I am so disgusted between Fox News and CNN. Listen, Fox, they're just some clowns. They're just clowns. We know that. 
But CNN, who's our parent company, they spend so much time talking about the president, bashing the president, and it can be rightfully so. But man, it's like we are just, we're not going to be Fox News. We're just going to be anti-president. Man, the people, we need some real grown-ups in the world right now. And listen, I hope CNN, I love CNN. I love me some Anderson Cooper, Don Lemon, guys like that. But man, this when you turn on CNN, because I try to be, support our family, but they're spending 24 hours a day just bashing the president. And like, if he deserved it, that's fine. But let's get on to some other important stuff that we have going on in the world. And I wish these TV networks would just stop. Fox is not going to stop. They're just clowns. We know what they're going to do. But we don't have to try to compete against clowns by being more clowns. It's a tough time because you do find yourself shaking your head, Chuckster. And and it's um, over what the news is and what the and what's reported and what people are buying into. And do you believe what the government says? Do you believe what health professionals are saying? Um, it's inescapable. It, it is inescapable. Okay, today when I turn on the TV, I I just hope that somebody's making an attempt to hear the other side or somebody's, you know, that somebody's not just not trying to jerk the American public around. And it just, the day doesn't happen. You know, it's lather, rinse, repeat. And, that's all, uh, that's all it is now. Yeah. And it's very tough. It's just sometimes just to bring yourself to say, uh, I'm going to put myself in front of the set and watch here for another, for the next half hour, the next hour. And then sometimes you say, you know what? Give me something mindless on TV because I, I'm weary. Katerni, you have to ask yourself, which one of y'all are telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Like, one guy said this, one guy said this. I'm like, wait, y'all both just said the opposite thing. One of y'all's got to be lying. And then the thing that sucks about it, whether a guy lying or not, is depending on what network you're listening to. And that's what drives me crazy. <laughs> Yeah, and there is so little crossover between the audiences of those two of those two networks that you know you have no idea. If you do take the time to watch an hour and record, you know, and then record the same hour and watch how the same story is treated, and it's like, really, are, are we all looking at the same thing? <laughs> and that's and that's why I think a lot of a lot of us are like. Who's right? Who's telling the truth? Yeah. And how can I hear you say this on a tape to Bob Woodward, and then I hear this? Okay. Yeah. I'm close to over it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm close to over it too, Ernie. So that's my first of all, but I meant what I said, man. Let's just try to be better. We got to be better. We do. Be a better human. There you go. When we come back, we'll lighten the mood. Uh, you know, I'm going to say something here that I should never say, being a Georgia guy. War Eagle, next on the steam room. There you go, Ernest. We welcome you back inside the steam room. And Chuckster, this is right in your wheelhouse. We tell all of our guests on the steam room to please keep your towel on. That's the only rule uh, here in the steam room. And Chuck, you can do the honors of introducing our special, special guests. Well, as I always say, Ernie, special, special guests, but this is really special for me. Head coach at Auburn, Gus Malzahn, 
and head coach at Auburn, Bruce Pearl. Thank you, guys, and welcome to the steam room. War Eagle. Great to be with you guys. Coach Gus, you going to bat first. How is COVID life for a coach right now? I tell you what, Charles, it's actually getting better. Uh, it's been very interesting. We got our players back at June the 4th, and it was a learning experience. It's kind of the new normal. Um, you know, we started testing once a week, uh, gosh, probably about seven weeks ago, and just, you know, getting used to if somebody's positive, the close contacts, keeping our guys safe, and at the same time working out and trying to practice. But the last two weeks have, have been better. Um, you know, I think uh, we're in a good spot, and, we're, we're about a week away from the first game, so it's coming at a good time. And, BP, you got some time, and I don't even know what the schedule is. Like, you know, because, like, like, we're trying to figure out in the NBA. They moved the draft back a month. We got to do free agents, and we don't even know when next season's going to start. So what have you heard is the season going to start on time? Yeah, Charles, so we're in, a, we're in our preseason right now where we get them about – eight hours a week. And it's a, you know, back in the day, remember when we used to start October 15th, it was that hard start date. Yeah. Um, now we get to start student school starts a little bit and really is much, much better for the student athletes. They, they get trained up and, and we put a better product and the kids are healthier and safer. Yeah. It just came out uh, yesterday that November 25th is going to be our start date. And we are actually down in Orlando for the Orlando Invitational uh, on the 26th. So wouldn't surprise me. We don't, we don't know what it's all going to look like. We don't know exactly what the non-conference is going to look like. We don't know exactly, you know, what these special, you know, made for television events are going to look like, but it just wouldn't surprise me if we take advantage in college basketball of what y'all got going on down there in Orlando. They've got two practice facilities. They got two playing facilities. It's all set up for television. They've got the hotels and if they get it all figured out, wouldn't surprise me at all if early in November, December, there's a lot of college basketball being played down there at those venues. Yeah, Bruce, that's what I that's what I saw uh, was that, and I don't know if it was confirmed or not, but it was going to be kind of a bubble environment for that tournament down there for uh, for you guys to get started. You know, Ernie, it just makes sense. They've got it all set up. You know, it's going to be really weird having the Maui Invitational, you know, someplace not in Maui, but yeah. the teams are set to come in and. I think it would be a good way of at least getting things started. And then, you know, I think the best thing is to try not to make too many decisions too far in advance. Like, you know, our football team is playing Kentucky next Saturday. We know that's going to happen. Let's do everything we can to make that happen, see what it looks like, and, uh, and then go on and see what the next week looks like and let us all try to get back to normal. Gus, how have you prepared for what, that's, what it's going to be like? I mean, we all know – uh, what SEC football in the fall is all about. And you know how people build their their entire years around that, around tailgating and being on the plane or being in Athens where I went to school and that kind of thing. And, um, and just those throngs of people. I mean, you're going to have some folks in the stands right for the Kentucky game, uh, yeah. but, but just the whole environment and, and, and what it's going to be like for players. Yeah, Ernie, we've, we've told our team, you know, for the last month or so, the teams that can adjust into the new normal and uh, whether you, or you have some positives and guys can't play in the next man up or uh, the new environment. So we're pretty fortunate. Our, our administration decided that 
we're going to have our fans be students the first game, which I think is going to give us an advantage. I think it's going to be 17,000 students. And I know they're going to be ready. Uh, <laughs> you got to get used to the – they're going to pump crowd noise in now. Hey, guys, that game kicks off at 11 a.m. Or I play. wonder what time and our students will need to get started to get ready. Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's going to be Thursday. There's no doubt because we got to have their A game, uh, you know, ready to go with that. But then, you know, week two we go to Georgia. And, um, you know, that's a huge rivalry game. It's usually at the end of the season. Now it's week two. And they're going to have pump crowd noise in. I mean, so this is a whole new deal. But it's going to be about adjusting. And the teams that can do that, I think, will have an advantage. Well, well, let me ask you this. Okay, so I, I talked about it in the NBA bubble that your leadership is going to have to really be important. Because when you have to self-motivate, that's a really big deal. How uh, your leaders been during this time? You know, that's exactly what we've been been preaching all along. It's going to be about leadership. And in championship teams that we've had here were player-driven, not coach-driven. And, you know, K.J. Britt, you know, he's really our defensive leader. Bo, Bo uh, Nix is coming on as our offensive leader. Both those guys are close. And we're relying on our leadership. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, probably more than ever that that's going to be a bigger factor. Especially with no fans in the stands. You know, ain't nothing like having nine, eight hundred thousand fans cheering on, getting you motivated. Now you got to do that yourself. That's what's going to be interesting to me about not just college football, but also the pros. Because you know, home field is a big deal in, in, in a lot of these college sports. Yeah, you're exactly right. Of course, you know we got one of the best home field advantages in all of college football, and so it's going to be different with that standpoint. But we've been talking about you know advantages. You know, what are some advantages for us? Well, now it's a ten game SEC schedule. Okay, and they added two extra games. And I've been telling our guys, that's an advantage for us because we played the toughest schedule in our league since we've been here since 2013 with our crossover being Georgia and every year. So we're used to that grind. And I've been saying that there's some teams in our league that hadn't had the schedule we had. And just that grind of everything, I think, is going to be an advantage for us. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the home field advantage, you know, you look this year, Alabama and Georgia's on the road. That's a pretty good year probably to ha have this situation happen. So we're just trying to look at all the positives. Hey, Bruce, March Madness was one of the uh, first, you know, so-called victims of this pandemic, really having the rug pulled out that close to the time you live for. How did you handle it? How did you uh, help your team, your players get through that? And how confident are you that um, March Madness will return this year? Well, Ernie, think about it. When when uh, when it's March 11th and Rudy Gobert goes down with the virus and all of a sudden the next day the world changes and turns completely upside down. Uh, we didn't know what we were dealing with with the pandemic. We didn't know how serious the virus was. We didn't know how many hundreds of thousands of millions of lives were going to be affected. So we really try to keep it in perspective at that time. All right, guys, we don't know what we're dealing with right now, but right now we're going to we're losing the opportunity to play some basketball games right now. We've got to focus on our health and our family's health. So that was sort of where we sort of started. It. But then as, as you went on through, you, you got a feel for seniors, uh, obviously the seniors in our population who are obviously the most at risk. But I'm talking about high school graduating seniors or my college seniors, man. I mean, this is one shining moment. It's yeah. everything we work for. It's everything. Yeah, the conference championship for sure. The tournament championship, man, to get a dance, to get a seed, 
to have a chance to advance and play for the Final Four. And I had a really good team. I had five seniors and one fuss senior and, and Isaac Okoro, who you guys are going to be talking about a lot uh, uh, when you guys are on TV now. We had a good team, and uh, we were playing well at the end of the year. And we felt like we could go in there and, and we're built to be able to make another run and continue to make history, so and so forth. So they were really, really disappointed. But you know what? We kept it in perspective. Um, we're, you know, believe it or not, you know, we are, we're a team that, that has God in our locker room. And we feel like talked about, you know, we've got to handle adversity here. And we've got to handle it as God would want us to handle it and lead that way. You didn't hear a bunch of complaining. Uh, now, let's get our degrees. Let's finish up school. Uh, let's get our guys ready for the draft. And uh, let's, let's make the best of a tough situation. Auburn means a great deal to me. Can y'all give me an update on the city as far as like, you know, these people have been without students for five or six, seven months, basically. Now they're not going to get the 100,000 people to come down for the uh, football games. How is the business world in Auburn? Well, first of all, you know, Charles, you're not being there for a football weekend. Hamilton's is just going to take a ridiculous game, <laughs> all right? There's I mean, no they, doubt about that. <laughs> they may go out of business because you haven't been there for the weekend. We're not going to pour near as much Redmont. And a little little shameless <laughs> plug there. I think we're surviving. Uh, we really need the students. Uh, I know Gus and Christy and, and, and my wife, Brandy, and I, we did the best we could to try to order out all spring long, you know, just to sort of keep our businesses, you know, rolling. Uh, I'm, I'm really proud of our student body. You walk around on campus, you know, you walk around on campus, and everybody's got, you know, everybody's got one of these on. They just do. And we got them on in practice. It's, it is good. It is good. And and even outside, and they're just doing the best they can to stay socially distant for college kids. We, you know, the bars and the restaurants have decided to, you know, close down a little earlier in the evening so that we didn't have that late, late, late night crowd that was, you know, probably breaking all the rules. I don't know, Coach. I, I think overall Auburn's done a, a really good job. Our medical staff is on top of things. You know, a bunch of kids get it, but very few kids had to go to the hospital. So I think I think we're, we're we're on the road to recovery here, Coach. Yeah, I think so too. And just you can really sense the Auburn community coming together to try to help each other in a lot of different areas. And so I think that's been a positive. But you know, hopefully we can get back to normal where we can fill our stadiums and fill the gyms and and get our economy going again. Not only have you had to deal with this with the, with the pandemic, but then I mean, twenty twenty has been such. Um, an unbelievable year. Uh, and then all the social injustice and the protests, I don't know what prepares you as a coach to deal with that, but how do you deal with it and hear your players and be sensitive to what you need to do at a time like that? And, and that's to both of you, Gus. Yeah. You know, uh, it's been a learning experience for me. And, uh, you know, I really believe that our team and our staff is really, uh, coming closer, come closer together. We've really bro broken down some walls. And, uh, you know, we were talking with our team and said, you know, the first thing we decided is we got to educate ourselves. And so we had 10 or 11 speakers during the, the summer. Uh, we participated in the peaceful protest uh, downtown, which was very powerful. Uh, we had a, a Juneteenth speaker, which I learned a lot during that. I know our players did too. And we've had, um, you know, Tom Gossam, which is the first 
football player, black football player that actually graduated from Auburn. We had him speak to our team. And then the next week we had his white sweet mate sweet speak to our team. So it's been a really educational thing for us. It's brought us closer together, our team, our staff. And But th- there's no doubt. I don't think anybody could be prepared. It's just, you know, with something new, but it's really been good for me. And I really think it's really been good for our staff bringing us together. You know, Ernie, I, I would imagine like for you and Charles and, and Kenny and Shaq, this isn't a difficult conversation because you guys have been working together. I think for those of us in, in sports coaches, um, we're dealing with the, with the issues of race all the time. We, we're dealing with, the, with these challenges. So for us to have dialogue and conversation about it, it's, it's no big deal. Um, you know, for, uh, for us, Coach and I would look at each other as teachers. And so Coach bringing those people in to teach his players about different things involving our history. Um, I'll give you an example. On Monday, I, I brought somebody in from our Office of Diversity and Inclusion that talked about kneeling for the flag. And, and he gave a presentation about why he felt that was okay. I had somebody else from that same office come in and said, while I agree with that, uh, this is why I'm going to be standing for the flag. Then I had somebody come in from the military, and uh, one of my players asked him an amazing question. He said, sir, if we knelt for the flag, how would that make you feel? And he got kind of welled up a little bit. The fact that he would served in Iran and served in Afghanistan, he said, you know, I appreciate you asking me that question. He said, I fought wars. I went overseas. I lost friends in battle so that you would have the right to make that choice. He said, but you want to know how I would feel? It would it'd break my heart. Mm-hmm. He said, I, it, it, it would hurt me. Because when I see you guys stand at attention, and I see you put your right hand over your heart and your left hand behind your back, and I see you not turn your back on the flag, and I see you wait to go to your benches until the flag walks off the court, man, does that make me proud. He didn't pass judgment on them. He made sure that they were going to make up their own minds. And so as coaches, this is what Gus and I do. We're all in the discussion. I've got to prepare my guys to get out there in this world and compete no matter what it is, whether it's fair or unfair, diverse, or not having the same equitable opportunities. They can't change that overnight. they got to go out there and deal with it and be successful. Auburn is a phenomenal place. We're different here. This is a special, friendly, all-inclusive place. Now I want my guys to go out there and make the rest of this world better to be more like it is here at Auburn. Tell me about the T-shirts y'all are wearing. Well, what we got here is an Auburn family. Together we will unite as one. And me and Bruce throughout the whole summer uh, have just been sharing ideas and just get that feeling like, you know, we need to be uniting. The Auburn family needs to unite. You know, you turn on the news, it's like division, division. And so we were talking that. And then Bruce came up with the idea that, that let's, let's uh, not only, I think I came up with the idea of the T-shirt, but he came up with the idea of what does it need to be for? Something positive that we can make our campus more diverse. And so that's really how we got it. And we went to our athletic director, Alan Green. He thought it was a great idea. And so – me and Bruce just kind of put our heads together. And then, of course, we tried to reach out to our top alum, which, Charles, we really appreciate you being. I mean, you being a part of that, just, it just makes it makes it that much better. And we've got great response. I think we've sold 6,000 T-shirts for $20. And 
really, I know that, you know, just talking to my players, I've tried to listen, like, what's important to you guys? Because we talk about action, okay? Because we did the education, it's been great, but now use our influence for action. And I'm one of those guys that think about, you know, we've got this opportunity right now. We're all going to look back 10 years from now during this moment, and we're going to say, what do we do to make things better? So I've been talking to my players. They want to be on campus, and there's more people that look like them, more just black regular students, and that was important to them. So, you know, Bruce the same way with his players, so we kind of got together. Let's raise some money, and let's do something positive that will unite. And I know our players, let me just tell you, Charles, when we showed that Unity video, and I know Bruce can share that here in a minute, but we showed the video before we put it out. And I'm just talking about our players when they saw you and Bo, Octavia Spencer, Tim Cook. I mean, like, they were just like, wow, they're, they're with us. It was just an unbelievable feeling, and our guys have really taken pride. So, Bruce, why don't you share the response when, when you showed your team? I mean, just seeing the video and seeing you and Tim Cook and Bo and the whole group all united, uh, our guys stood up and clapped. I asked them, I said, look, why, why do you protest? You protest for change. You protest to make things better. Then how about if we just work on making things better? How about if we just we we Gus and I we we went through a peaceful protest. You know, my team took a day off. We took one afternoon off from practice in recognition of what was going on there. But we got work to. We got we got back to practice the next day. I guarantee you. And so we're going to raise money for scholarships. Gus is going to do a scholarship. I'm going to do a scholarship. Charles, you're going to do a scholarship. We're going to put together a bunch of people that are going to do scholarships. And we're going to do what the, our players asked us to do. You know why they want it? They want it because they love it here. They want it here. They want it because they know how successful and welcome they feel. And they just want other students that look like them to have the same opportunity. And that's what we're going to, that's what we're doing through the sale of these t-shirts and for people making contributions to the, you know, the Auburn University Foundation, and it's, you know, it's called Together We Will. And that's together, that's one of the things that we're going to do. Well, you know, I wanted you to make sure we talk about the T-shirt. Listen, I tell people all the time, they said, tell me about Auburn. I said, about diversity. I said, well, we have a black basketball coach. We have a black women's basketball coach today. Uh, we have a black AD. So I said, I feel really good. I said, there's not many schools in the SEC definitely have had a black AD, but a head basketball coach and a women's coach. I said, I'm proud of Auburn, what they've done. They have made me feel like, yo, man, when I call the AD, I'm like, oh, man, he's a brother. I mean, it makes me feel really proud. I mean, it does. You know, I've got to know Allen really well over these years. And I'm like, you know, when, every time I go down there, Coach Flo, I have to go and give her a hug. She's amazing. Uh, but so I, I really... Well, I want to thank you guys for getting y'all to getting y'all together because it makes me proud. And listen, I've been doing a lot of speaking to these kids, just like you guys have been. I spoke to probably 25 football and basketball teams in the last three months. And I, and this is before all this uh, social, I said, guys, every, I said, ain't nothing we can do about what happened 400 years ago. There's nothing we can do about that. All we can do is start right now. What can you do? Like you just said, Bruce, what can we do going forward? I can be mad about slavery. I can be mad about stuff that happened three, four hundred years ago, but that's just wasted energy. How can we make this thing better going forward? And I appreciate both of you guys letting me be involved. And I also, I'm glad that I appear in the video before both. That makes me feel even better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what, guys? And I'm not, I'm not breaking any news here to you, Bruce and, and Gus, you know how lucky you are to have 
a guy like Chuck in your corner. I mean, look, I see this all the time. What an encourager he is. And it's not just for Auburn athletics. It's for anybody who's going through anything that Chuck will reach out. But I know he's taken the time with both of you in the past to just reach out for a second. Doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be the a huge address. It's just like he has the timing and, and I'm not trying to make you blush or anything here, Chuck, but you have great timing. Just when a guy needs to hear something, he just kind of has that knack. Doesn't he guys? Yeah. Hey, Arnie, I'm going to second that, um, you know, cause being the head football coach here, I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs and you're exactly right. Charles, when he's given me a text or just said the right thing at the right time, it's been priceless for me. And Ernie, it's, it's not just about people of status. I've never met anybody as accomplished as Charles Barkley who treats the average person with as much time and dignity as respect. He makes people feel like the most important person in the room, and he does it genuinely, and he's, it's authentic that way. And he's an Auburn man, and he wears it on his sleeve. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When I do our recruiting presentation, still to this day, it's got you and Kenny, and, and it's got uh, Clark and Charles on the set of the Final Four. And watching Charles... <laughs> Steve Auburn, go on that road to the Final Four and go on that journey journey with it. And the bottom line, I just say, is that is authentic. That man is proud of his school, his teammates, and his coaches. 3P, let me tell you something. I went to my room tonight after the Final Four. I've never felt as bad about a game as I did when y'all lost at the Final Four. Because let me tell you something. I ain't never in my wildest dream thought Auburn could get to the Final Four. I was like, hey, man, if I were to make it to the tournament three out of five years, I'm going to throw a party and celebrate. And then now I'm doing March Madness, and I'm like, okay, we got to play Kansas, North Carolina? I'm like, oh, man, that's, hey, it's been a great year. And to be on TV when this stuff is happening, man, that was one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life. I mean, and when I was crying right after the game, my boss says, yo, man, you don't have to go on. You can take a break. I said, no, nah, I, I can't abandon ship right now. I was up so upset out after the way that, that, that foul was called. And I, and I was so welled up. He said, you can take a break. And I, I said, no, nah, man, I'm going to stay on. I mean, because I, I don't want people to think that I disappeared when things went bad. Oh, but Charles, man, was, we would have crushed you. We would have <laughs> crushed you if you had not been on that show. Man, and we wouldn't have been the only ones. If you were going to be that soft to not do the show, that you never would have lived that one down. I was really worried. Let me tell you how great a place Auburn is. I was really worried. I says, because I know they're going to travel for football. I mean, listen, you could sell 25,000 tickets on the road to every Auburn game, and they sell them on the road. But I was like, man, I don't know if these people in Alabama are going to get to them, Minneapolis, because that ain't no easy place to get to. That Saturday at the Final Four is the most – sports. It's the best day in sports. Yeah. It's the best – to have 20,000 fans spread out evenly and everybody has great hope and aspiration. That I tell people, I've been to some great things in my life. The Olympics is the best thing I've ever been to, number one. But that Saturday at the Final Four is the most amazing thing. And to see the Auburn family come – Two out there, I was, I was so proud of my school because if it was in Atlanta, we could have got 100000 If it was in Nashville or somewhere close. But you have to do some damage to get to, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> hey, man, that was magical. Hey, Gus and, uh, 
And Bruce, thank you so much, man. To, to take a chunk out of your day like you have, uh, we really appreciate it. And I know, I know Chuckster does too. Um, given the fact that it was kind of a Georgia, um, it was kind of a Georgia bent to the show last week with Maria Taylor. Um, and now Chuckster, you can't load up a show much more than you already have. All right, here we go. Fourth and 18 for the Tigers. Here's your ball game. Nick Marshall stands in, steps up. He's going to throw down field. Just a home run ball, and uh, it is tipped off. And Lewis caught it on the reflection. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Lewis is going to score. Touchdown, Auburn. Touchdown, Auburn. A miracle in Jordan Hare. A miracle in Jordan Hare. 73 yards, and the Tigers with 25 seconds to go. Lead 43 to 38. Hey, that's as good as it gets right there, guys. Hey, I just want to bring a picture of that. That thing's hanging in my office right there, Ernie. That's hanging in the basketball coach's office, the miracle of Jordan Air, right there. War Eagle, brother. War damn Eagle. I seem to be having some trouble uh, with my connection. Uh, <laughs> what other basketball coach is going to have a football play, all right, in their office. I mean, that's good as it gets, man. Yeah, no, I, no, you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I wish you the best, uh, Gus, especially in a couple of weeks when you, when you come to Athens. Um, that's always, it's always an unbelievable game when those, when the, when those schools meet. So we, we wish you the best on that. And Bruce, when I hear you talk about that basketball program and, and talk about it with the passion that you do, um, yeah, I'm a bulldog, but man, I would sign up to play for you any day. So thank you guys for being on here, man. Nice to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. It was a true honor. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you again. We're gonna get them shirts out there. And thanks for keeping your towels on. the steam room the uh the finale of season one i'm kind of emotional because like it's been awesome doing the podcast uh it's been really awesome i hope i just hope the break between seasons isn't too long because i do i i, I look forward to this every week it's been a lot of fun uh and part of that reason is because we always have a segment with the legendary longtime producer of inside the nba <laughs> And then Charles says, hey, be careful how you use that word legendary. And I say, come on, he is legendary. He's TK, Tim Kiley. Wow, what an intro. Hey, TK. All right, Ernie, it's the 32nd episode, the best 32s. Pick your favorite. Okay, so Kevin Kale's the best player I ever played against, so he's got to be on the list. Jim Brown, because he's Jim Brown. Yep. Marcus Allen is my golfing buddy. He's a good friend. Sandy Koufax. So Billy Cunningham, a couple years ago, we were playing golf, and I had been watching a Dodgers game, and Sandy Koufax was at the game. I said, you know, Billy, I was watching the Dodgers the other day, and Sandy Koufax the game. Like, he's on my bucket list of people I want to meet. And Billy says, are you serious? I says, yeah. He says, I went to high school with Sandy Koufax. About three weeks later, I met him for dinner, him and his wife, and Billy Cunningham and me. And I spent three hours at dinner with him. 
And it was one of the coolest things I've ever did in my life. Is he not the most gracious man you've ever met in your life? He is so unbelievable. And then, you know, I didn't want to seem like a dummy. So I went and looked at all his stats. And I'm like, man, this dude did everything but like before 30. Yeah. I mean, his, his resume was impeccable. But Ernie, you're right. He was the most gentle, gracious person. So I got to put Mr. Koufax on there. Sandy Koufax. And now you got, you still got Magic, Shaq. Well, I got to go with Magic. No, Shaq's not going to be on the list. You can, that, that ship is sailed. The reason I'm going to put, uh, the reason I'm going to put Magic on the list is because I've said this not just now before. The two most important people in NBA history are Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. If you remember, the NBA was too black, too druggy before Magic Johnson and Larry Bird came to the NBA. So I tell those guys every time I see them, every dime I've ever got in my pocket has been because of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. You know, everybody look at, you know, a lot of people always want to look at things in the moment. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson are the two guys who saved the NBA. Chuck, you ready? Ernie Johnson Sr. Oh, man, that's pretty good. There's a 32 for you, Chuck. There you go. There's 32. Work fast and throw strikes, right, Ernie? Yeah, and learn how to throw the palm ball. Well, TK, where am I on your list? You were 34. He did wear 32 briefly. So when Magic announced he had HIV, I wanted to do something special for him. So the Sixers, it was actually retired by the Sixers. So I called Billy Cunningham. I said, Billy, I need a huge favor. He said, what do you need? I said, you know, Magic had just announced he got HIV. I want to just wear it. I'm only going to wear it for a year. I want to just salute him and wear 32. And he says, of course you can do that. So I'm a little disappointed that you're kissing Shaq's ass and you're not kissing Chuck's ass. Uh, but I was 32 also. All right, there we go, Ernie. What do you got? I'll put Chuckster on my 32 list. But then, <laughs> and see, my dad's 32 has led to a series of other 32s. Because I wore it, my oldest son Eric wore it uh, for a time also when he was playing. Michael wore it at Mill Creek High School when Phil Bolier put him on that basketball team. And then Katie, uh, my uh, oldest granddaughter, wearing 32 for the Buford six and under softball team. So, yeah, so so 32 has been a very, uh, has been a great number in our family. And we always, uh, you know, like when Michael made it to 32 this this year. 32 years old, it was like, yeah, I, that, that's a no-brainer. Of course he's going to get to 32. So, um, yeah, so yeah, that's a, that's a great number. And so many great folk, great players have worn it. So, um, yeah, but, but nobody, but nobody in the class of the guy over my shoulder. That is true because that he, he spawned the great, one of the great American families of all time. And I'm just proud to know all of you. I just want you to know, Ernie, you know, every kid in grade school, wanted to wear 32 or 22 or 34. They were the cool numbers. So when it was my turn to get in line to ask for a number, I said, can I wear 32? And they said, you ran, you run like a guard. You run, you're 62. <laughs> 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 well, I got you guys here, Chuck, on the podcast. Was the coach's discussion your favorite moment of all time? No, no. I think for me, the, the, the soldier that had PTSD, mm -hmm. That to me, because, you know, we started doing this little silly podcast just to make people have fun once a week. 
And to have somebody take it seriously and say, no matter, they're having issues, uh, that meant a great deal to me. And also the lady who had lost her job and she's depressed during the pandemic. Man, if you can bring people like that joy, a little joy, I mean, you, that's what this thing is for. That's why you're who you are. Ernie, how about you? Got a favorite moment? Favorite moment from the podcast? Yes, um, sir. Man, they've all, I just think it's been um, such a pleasant surprise for me because when when they approached me and said, hey, look, we're doing a, uh, a podcast. Chuck is on board. We'd love you to be part of it. And I was like, um, and my first thing was, okay, let's think about the schedule and how it works into the schedule and how we do this and what are we going to talk about? And the way it took off, you know, having Sanjay Gupta on and having Van Jones, Killer Mike. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Fowler before the national championship game, Killer Mike. We've just learned so much, I think. I, I say that I, for myself. Yes. I mean, I've, I've learned so much just from hearing uh, and being part of these conversations. So uh, it's really hard for me to narrow down uh, one particular, but, um, but man, those were, these have been rich weeks for me, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm not even going to lie. Ernie. This has been, when I first started doing it, I wasn't sure, but man, I, I, I'm glad we did it. I mean, just some yeah. of the people we've interviewed have like, and, and the thing I like about it more than anything I'm glad that we don't talk about sports unless we have to. Uh, that, that to me, is the best part about it. Because if we, if we just did a podcast and talked about sports all the time, it'd be just like, uh, we just doing the same thing we do. Yeah. My favorite moment, go ahead, Cap. Of the ones that you've seen, Chuckster, what gets your vote for best picture? 1917. It's outstanding. It's, well, it's a typical, wait a minute. I haven't seen 1917. I apologize. I just like the way you started describing 1917. You know, it's kind of your typical... And it, hold it, I haven't seen that. 1917 is going to win. And again, you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> that was... That was one of the all-time great. Hardy, you nailed it. The way he started out, it was like he'd seen it. Six oh, times. I, th- I said, he's probably, it sounds like he might give me about a 12-minute answer to this. Like he's going to go through character development and plot lines and everything else. And then it was just like, oh, I haven't seen it. So I went to the theater that day to see 1917. And then I was like, nah, man, I need something more fun. I ended up going to see The Gentleman with Matthew McConaughey, and I got a man crush on this dude, too. Uh, he was in uh, Sons of Anarchy. I forget his name right now, but I got a little man crush on him because he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate y'all bringing that back up. You got it. Hey, thank you, Mr. Kylie. You've been uh, a great asset to the show this year. Hey, TK, don't split yet. We do have uh, a special message for you. How about this? Oh, here we go. Tim, TK Kylie, what's up, buddy? You, my friend, are the smartest person on that little NBA set you got. Barkley, he doesn't know anything. Ernie Johnson, stupid bow tie. Come on, man, don't let those guys tease you about being a Steeler fan. I mean, really? How many world championships do those guys have? Try zero. Charles has got none. And Ernie, I don't even think ever played sports. At least it doesn't look like it. And TK, you're the only one, man, that's got it right. 
So you show this to Barkley, all right? You tell Charles that uh, he needs to straighten up and stop making fun of you because he's got no room to be making fun of anybody. Unless you have got a ring on your finger, shut up. TK, hang in there, buddy. Go get him. <laughs> Bye. Hey, man, let me tell you something. Hey, I love Terry Bradshaw, man. That, that was all for him to take the time, but, that, but he is awesome. Oh, I can tell you, Chuck, is we used to interview him after he'd throw a touchdown, and we'd say, Terry, could you break down that pass to Stallworth and what you did? He goes, I don't know, boy. I just dropped back and threw it as far as I could. <laughs> hey, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. A little something for you, TK. See you guys next year. Might be this year. You never know. Might be. <laughs> Might be. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Love that. Man, I love that. With the lyrics. Wow. That was awesome. That was something that came to us... Uh, uh, on, From Arizona. Uh, on Chuck's answering machine, 404-987-0330, the number of Chuck's answering machine. We really appreciate uh, the number of you who have taken the time to call and leave messages. And and um, Michael Kaplan, who's our producer, has compiled some of his favorites, which I know are some of our favorites. And kind of, here's, the, here's the best of Chuck's answering machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Charles and company. My name is Stav, and I'm from Sydney, Australia. Calling from Jerusalem, Israel. Calling from Scotland. Calling from Lagos, Nigeria. I watch inside the NBA every week, and now I'm a loyal steamer. You know, steamer, as in a fan of the steam room. At Lincoln County Jail, if you would like to continue this call of up to 20 minutes. Hey, Charles, this is Gary Sheffield the last year's Black Masters champion. Charles, it's Jay Wright. Hey, congratulations on your new show. You guys sound great. But man, it's dangerous with you having this much airtime. Hey Chuck, this is Petty Officer Oglesby serving in the United States Navy. Quick story, I met you in the airport about nine years ago. I was on my way to boot camp. You stopped me in a group of my friends and, and wished us nothing but the best. And I really appreciate that. It's been just fun to listen to you guys and have some serious moments and feel like we're all in it together, which has been great. The topics you've discussed, bringing awareness to mental health issues and the guests you've had on to open up and talk about their struggles, it's reassuring to hear. I ended up into a kind of a funk. Then I found Steam Room, became a steamer. It's a great thing to listen to as I walk along. I appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, both you and Eddie and Eddie. End of messages. <laughs> you and Eddie. Uh, those were some great things. Uh, that was, man. Uh, we've we've enjoyed uh, the give and take we have with everybody and, and hearing from them. And um, I guess we've got, uh, I guess we got a couple of, uh, and in this season finale, we've we've got a couple other ones. Let's roll it. Hey, fellas, it's Stav, Australian correspondent and the loyal steamer. Just wanted to send you a massive congratulations on a great first season of the Steam Room. Well done. 
Also, I haven't forgotten your beer, gentlemen. I'll be sending some fresh chinnies your way soon. Hopefully it arrives safely so you can enjoy it with some good mates. I should mention one of those beers I'll send you is called Underdog, so perhaps you can share it with some Georgia Bulldogs or even the legendary Joe Underhill. Catch you guys in Season 2. Cheers, fellas. Stav. Hey, you know, when he when I first heard, it, heard his voice, the first thing I said was, well, that dude didn't send us the beer. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to my mind. But you know what? To me, he was our first, I think he was our first really fan. And he, yeah, he was the one who dubbed them loyal steamers. Number one, when he came on the show live, he had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. That's, that is pretty cool. No, it's been awesome to see the, the global reach of this podcast. And you heard it uh, in that best of. Go ahead with the next one. Hi, Charles and Ernie. Uh, I just wanted to say I really love your podcast. You guys are so entertaining and so much fun. The reason I'm calling is just to say thank you to you both. I was diagnosed uh, with a brain tumor and had surgery to remove it and will soon begin a clinical trial. And I have to let you know that your show is just therapy for me. I'll go on a walk and listen to an episode. It's fantastic. Ernie, I have a question for you. I know you had cancer. Is there anything you did to help you cope with it and get through it? Also, Charles, keep speaking your mind. It's fantastic. I'd also like to give a big a shout-out to Shaq. As a Lakers fan, I'm a huge fan of his. Take care, gentlemen. When you hear that word, uh, you hear the word cancer, um, and it, it and it's a rock your world kind of life changer. And it was for me back in 03 when I was, <clears throat> when I heard that word. And, um, you know, it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I got treated for it in 2006 and been in remission ever since. And then, you know, you know I was diagnosed with prostate cancer um, within the last couple of years and had surgery there. Um, and what I can tell the caller is, um, uh, look, I've, I've relied heavily on, on uh, family and friends and my faith. And, and, that's what, and that's what got me through that. Uh, obviously, excellent doctors and um, having the friends who would who would reach out and support you, um, but it was always it was always my faith, and I you know I, and I've told people I said any any time when I was going through that when when fear and anxiety um, and apprehension would come knocking at the door um, because they will uh, it was like you're going to have to spend time with the faith and hope and trust and they're not going to let you hang out long, and so I think. I think that was part of it. Another part was just always keeping in mind what a guy told me when I was going through one of those PET scans. He said, look, um, just, you know, you may have cancer, but it doesn't have you. And so uh, as long as you keep that kind of a feeling, you know, uppermost in your in your mind and realize that once you're in this club that nobody wants to be in, part of your responsibility is helping the next person through it. And so I've I can't tell you how many times I've had friends of mine call and say, look, I got somebody who's about to start chemo. Can you help them? Can you just talk to them? And, and that's part of our responsibility. So the caller, you know, didn't leave his name, but um, he'll find himself in that very same position that uh, you get through this and then you help the next person through it. Yeah. And also I think that's enough of an answer for me to shut the hell up. Um, 
man, we, we thank you for being a supporter. We're glad we can brighten your day, uh, but bless you. Hey, congrats to the Steam Room on season one. This is Tara August, a.k.a. the great Shidel Castro. <laughs> uh, someone gave me this number, so I thought I'd sneak in a message. I just want to recognize what a monumental day in history this is. When we launched the show, we never thought it would make it past week two. All of Charles' bad language and bad jokes, we thought for sure the FCC would send out a red light and pull the plug. But you guys made it, so congrats to you, Ernie, and Charles, and PK on a fantastic first season. You guys are my favorite people. You know that. Well, okay, TK is my favorite person. But also, Michael Kaplan and Leah Ball, who work hard to make you guys look great each week. They work really hard. And, hey, Chuck, I have just a thought for you. Grilled cheese is another sandwich without meat. So think on that for a while. Maybe maybe I'll take you to lunch one of these days. Congrats, guys. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Thanks, Tara. Uh, first of all, just a cheese sandwich is not a sandwich. There it is. No way. Come sandwich, on. sandwich, man. Man, I keep t- a sandwich is not a sandwich without meat, Ernie. And don't throw peanut butter and jelly out there like you did last time. <laughs> and and Tara, I'm never going to lunch with you. Those lunch meetings don't end good for the person you're having lunch with. Trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get your nickname? <laughs> well, I think, um, Chuckster, the steam room has run its course for season one. And that's the encouraging thing to me when everybody refers to it as, hey, this first season, which indicates there will be a second season. Well, if we have anything to say about it, there will be a season two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course there will be. They plan on it. I want to thank everybody who worked on the show. You know, Cap is always awesome. Matt Mansfield. But everybody... Um, who worked on the show, man. I really appreciate y'all. It's been a great thing. And like I think Ernie said it earlier, when we started this thing, we had no freaking idea what it was. And it <laughs> turned out to me, uh, I can't speak for Ernie, but it turned out for me one of the coolest things I did. And now I can't wait to next year because, you know, we're going to have some more guests uh, next year and I can't wait to get started. We'll be back. It's, we just don't know uh, when that's going to be. And we'll bring you the same level of um, highly educational and highly uh, informative and uh, highly hilarious uh, at, at times um, podcast. So thanks to the folks at Tractor Supply Company for their sponsorship. Thanks to TK, everybody involved in the show. Thanks to you, Chuckster. Been a blast for me, and I'm looking forward to season two, brother. All right, brother. I'll see you in the Western Conference Finals. I'll be there. Later, everybody. <laughs>